want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 5. So, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Father, our only hope this morning is that you would give grace. As we come to these words that are truth and life, gifts from you to receive that gift, to be changed by that gift, we must come humbly. And so would you help us? Would you help us to know our place before your voice to us? Would you help us to know our deep need and your gracious provision? And we do pray that you would give us your grace. We cling to the promise of the grace of your presence with us, your spirit. May he open our eyes and our ears to receive your word so that it may produce fruit in our lives. We pray it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever had to have a DTR conversation? You know what I'm talking about? It's time to define the relationship. You ever had to have one of those? We, we associate those conversations with, with romance, with romantic relationships, but they happen in all areas of our life. At work, we, we have to talk about who reports to whom, who makes the decision, and who communicates and implements the decision, what's my job description? We, we need those conversations in, in families and in friendships as, as we figure out what it means to interact with each other. Well, this morning, we need to have a DTR talk. It's time to define the relationship between you and me. And not just you and me, but between those who are in leadership in the church and those who are led. 
So this is going to apply to you whether you belong to this church or not. And if, if you're not a believer, you get to listen in a little bit about what it means to be a part of Christ's church. But this morning, we're going to try to define the relationship between those who lead and those who are, and those who are led. Now there are many good reasons to have this conversation. <clears throat> Certainly it has never been easier to mistrust people called pastor. People who would claim leadership in the church. And on the other side, if, if I'm honest, just speaking personally, being a pastor is often confusing and overwhelming. I picked up the phone this week and called a pastor friend of mine, and the first words out of my mouth were, what were we thinking? <laughs> Taking on this whole pastor gig. What were we thinking? So we need to define the relationship. And as compelling as those reasons may be, there's a better one. There's a better reason to have this conversation, and it is because Peter, speaking for God, invites us to this talk. He invites us to this conversation as he talks to the church, the Christian community that is under external pressure. He turns inward. He turns internal. And he says, let's talk about the relationship between those who lead and those who are led. So, let's come to this text. And I want to ask a few questions of it. What's my role? What's your role? And how do we live those roles together? First of all, what's my role? Uh, in this passage, uh, Peter uses the language of older and younger. And, and understand that that is not primarily about age. That is about the maturity that leaders should, should have and how others should respond to that maturity. But, but I think there's more important language here. When, when Peter talks about our relationship using the image of shepherd and sheep. That's a, it's a pretty important image in the Bible as we heard from Psalm 23 before we came to this text. It is very central in describing the relationship between God and his people, the relationship between the leaders of God's people and God's people. And think about the relationship between shepherd and sheep. It's a relationship of provision, of sustenance. It's about food. Right? Even, even the protective role of the shepherd is for the goal, is for the purpose of the sheep eating and drinking. The shepherd's job is to lead the sheep to what gives them life. And in the church, that what changes to who. The shepherd's job is to lead the people to the one who gives them it's interesting that the way Peter identifies himself here, he says, I'm a fellow elder and I am a what? A witness. Someone who talks about someone else. 
That's who the pastor is supposed to be. If you have any leadership in the church, if you have any influence at all, the goal of that leadership, the goal of that influence is to lead people to the one who gives them life. It is to talk about someone else. That's the role of the shepherd. That's what the shepherd is supposed to be. That's what a leader in the church is supposed to be. And that's why I can't do this just because of obligation. I can't do this, as Peter speaks to me, for the goal of earning money or merely power or influence or just because I have to. Because it's not about me. It's not about getting my needs met. That's not the goal of my leadership. My goal is to speak of Him. So, listen, I, I am not a CEO. I am not an advice columnist. I am not a life coach. And I am not an entertainer trying to keep you awake on a Sunday morning. I'm much more like a host or a hostess in a restaurant saying, if you'll follow me, I'll take you to your table. I don't own the restaurant. I don't make the food. I just try to help you find where it is. I take you to the one who keeps you alive. That's my role. And what about you? Second question, what, what, is, what is your role in response to leadership in the church? What is your role? Peter speaks only briefly of you. He doesn't say a lot. He speaks at the beginning of verse 5, and he says two words that are very familiar in this letter. What does he say? He says, be subject. Be subject. And remember, as we've considered that phrase throughout 1 Peter, to be subject is to not be blindly, unquestioningly obedient. It it is to be teachable. It is to be leadable. But here in this context, I think it is about knowing the role of a shepherd and desiring that role in your life. It is about knowing the role of the shepherd and desiring that role in your life. It is wanting someone who will say to you, life isn't found in accomplishment. Life isn't found in romance. Life isn't found in possessions. Life is found in what Jesus has done for you. Life is found in who God is for you. You should want someone who will say, that's darkness, this is light. Walk towards the light. Someone who will nudge you in the direction of the one who keeps you alive. 
of the one who is your true and eternal life. Your role is to want and invite that role. Your role is to desire that voice in your life. I think so much church conflict, so much disappointment in the church comes from false expectations of leadership. It it comes from people wanting the wrong things from their leaders. Listen, you don't need a CEO. You don't need an advice columnist. You don't need a life coach to help you get your budget together. You certainly don't need another entertainer in your life. You need someone who will say, let me show you to your table. Let me show you to your table. And so your job is to come hungry. Your job is to come to our life together hungry. To come with the expectation that your leaders will set the table with the gospel. Will set the table with the message about Jesus, not with little bites of inspiration or interesting ideas, but the feast of grace that is yours because of Jesus Christ. Your role is to come hungry for that, looking for someone who will lead you to the table. Now, that's my role, that's your role, and and in many ways that is an expression of of an ideal. It's It's the explanation of a design, but most of us know, right, that often the reality is very far from the ideal. So how do we put the design in motion? How do we put it into practice? Third question, how do we live these roles together? The, the end of verse 5, uh, Peter, he, he mixes his metaphors. He shifts the image from shepherding to fashion. He says, put on the clothes of humility. Put on the clothes of humility. And what what I want you to notice about that is, is that is mutual. He has shifted from talking to you to talking about all of us. So it's not just, hey, flock, be humble. Not just pastor, be humble. But all of you together dress yourself in humility. It's interesting that he says that because in Peter's culture, people's clothes would have communicated status. It would have said, hey, you're up there and I'm down here. That's what my clothes would say. And Peter says, no, 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 no. Not in the church. Not in the church. You don't dress and relate to each other according to your cultural status. You dress and relate to each other 
through humility. But, what's humility? What's humility? What, What do these clothes look like? Well, I I think it's a good idea in the Bible to define words, not necessarily with precise statements, but with stories. And I'm convinced that there is a story that stands behind what Peter says here to leaders and to those who are led. You see, Peter didn't just have a theory of humility. He had experienced humility. Because he had sat at a table with Jesus. And not just any ordinary table. He sat at Jesus with the the feast of Passover, this very significant festival in the Jewish calendar. And not only that, but it was the last meal that Jesus would eat with his friends before he died. And, And at some point during the night, Jesus got up and he changed his clothes. He took his, his ordinary clothes, which, which wouldn't have been very impressive to begin with, and he set them aside, and he downgraded his attire. And he dressed himself in the towel of a slave. And he began to go to his disciples and to scrub their filthy, nasty, stinky feet. And in doing that, Jesus gave us a pattern. He gave his disciples and he gave us a pattern of humble service. But do you remember what happened when he got to Peter's nasty, filthy, stinky feet? You remember what happened? Peter said, no, 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 no way. This is not appropriate. You are the Messiah. You don't wash my feet. I wash your feet. You're not a slave. You're a king. And Jesus responded said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no share with me. And so Peter goes, okay, don't, just don't wash the feet. Wash everything. And Jesus says, you don't get it. You don't get it, Peter. I'm paraphrasing. You don't get it. <laughs> You you don't get it. I'm showing you that I, in what I am about to do, I make you clean. What did Peter learn about humility? What did he learn about humility? It's not just the willingness to wash feet like Jesus is the willingness to have your feet washed by Jesus. Humility at its heart is having your need defined and met by Jesus. It's not coming to Jesus saying, hey, I know what a Messiah should be. I know what I need in a king. Now meet it. No, it's having Jesus say, I know your deepest need. And I died and rose to meet it. The clothes of humility are to, it is that we are dressed 
by our need for Christ and His provision for that need. Yes, we should want to serve like Him. But it is only humility when that service comes from being served by Him. It is to be dressed in our need for Christ and His provision for that need. And when we wear those clothes, I won't look to you for validation. And you won't look to me for anything other than the Gospel. When we dress in those clothes, I won't look to you to feed my needy ego. My longing for affirmation. And you won't look to me for anything other than Jesus. I can shepherd you only as Jesus is my chief shepherd. And you will rightly follow me and other church leaders only, only if you are looking for Him as your true, faithful, and good shepherd. One of the things that we do as pastors is, is we preside over weddings and funerals. We, we show up as representatives of Christ, as representatives of His message, the Gospel, in those very important moments in life. And after I was ordained as a pastor, my first wedding and my first funeral involved the same person. My friend uh, Jessica uh, was a, a young, very talented, very intelligent, extremely friendly young woman being trained as a nurse practitioner. When she found out and was diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer. And as she went through all these crazy experimental treatments, and as her future grew dimmer and dimmer and more and more grim, she met Aaron. And Aaron decided he wanted to marry her so that they could spend whatever little time she had left together. And so I, I stood in a church building in a in the middle of a Ohio December snowstorm, and I led them through their wedding vows. And then six months later, I stood in the very same spot, and I conducted Jessica's funeral. And, and I thought then, as I think now, what am I doing? What am I doing? I don't know how to do this. I don't have, know how to be a shepherd in this moment. And what I've learned from experience and, and from, from passages like, like this one is that all I can do, all I can do is show up hearing for myself and then echoing to others words like, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So listen, 
I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep showing up. Knowing my need for Christ. And inviting you to know yours. Let's pray.